0: My name is Alex Williams, founder of the Newstack, and you're listening to the Newstack Analyst Podcast, a show about application development and management at scale. Thanks for joining us. I am here today with Cheryl Hung as the co-host. Cheryl is vice president of ecosystem at the CNCF. Hey, Cheryl, great to see you again.
1: Hey, Alex, I always love being on the Newstack, so thank you for having me.
0: Ah, well, we are excited for this discussion. Our topic today is the Tech Radar Report. And this edition is all about secrets management. And for our guests who helped put this all together, we have Steve Nolan, Site Reliability Engineer at our studio. Hi, Steve. Hey, Alex. Thanks for having me. And Andrea Galbacera, Engineering and co-founder at Auth Keys, Andrea. Great to see you. Hi, Alex. Nice to be here. Do you go by Gazero? Yeah, that's my nickname. That's fine. Whatever you like. I'll I'll go with Gazero. But I wanted to just talk a little bit about secrets management, and it's a topic that has become of much greater interest. And I expect you see this firsthand in your work, especially in building out these distributed systems that you're responsible for. At Authkeys, you must be thinking about all kinds of issues that relate to secrets because you're all about authentication. And Steve, I know you work at a company, I'm sure that's doing a lot of data processing and and must have a lot of requirements in your application architecture. So- I would just like to kind of get your perspectives on
2: secrets management and its importance now before we get to the finding, Steve. Sure. Yeah, I think that in the level of uh, technical world that we're all kind of operating in, it's 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 pretty difficult to to really do much of anything without secrets or at least some level of secure storing and uh, and retrieving between different. You know, obviously there are many different application level level requirements that are going on, but at Every company really, that's building up a software stack and having interaction between those applications requires a pretty distinct need for secrets, all of those levels. And so with secrets comes a requirement to manage them and hopefully manage them securely.
3: KubeCon, cloud native con conferences, gather adopters and technologists to further the education and advancement of cloud native computing. The vendor-neutral events feature domain experts and key maintainers behind popular projects like Kubernetes, Prometheus, Envoy, CoreDNS, Containerd, and more.
0: Gazero, what's your thought on secrets management? You must be dealing with this all the time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we do have security
4: as a, one of our first goals. Of course, we are managing authorization, so something really security-related. Uh, But the secrets management is really something that uh, come into the way whenever you're designing whatever kind of application, because there's too much automation nowadays in designing your infrastructure, your application and your infrastructure as well. So you really need to deal with these uh, uh, small bits of information that really needs to, to be kept secret. Yeah, the basic idea is not uh, rocket science, as I usually say. I mean, we do have encryption, we do have cryptography, so it's pretty easy to have something secured. But then you're just moving your, your problem at a different level. You will probably have a key and you need to save this key in your uh, automation system so it's something that is kind of recursive problem and tooling is definitely something you you aim to have in order to simplify your life in this in this uh in this area
0: cheryl i wondered if you might introduce then the, the the topic and why you chose secrets management what was it that really uh drew you to this area
1: So actually, I'm going to pass that question back to Andrea, because one of the things that I think is really important about this tech radar is that it reflects what the community and what the radar team is thinking about. And in that case, I think Andrea was one of the people who really pushed for the idea of doing one on secrets management. So let me ask you, Andrea, why did you choose secrets management.
4: Yeah, exactly. When we started this this journey of the tech radar, uh, in our first meeting, we we have been asked to uh, suggest topics for uh, for the next radar and um, there there were many proposals, but uh, uh, a few of them were uh, around security in general. Uh, so we we immediately understood that this this area of interest was was where we were uh, going into. And we then tried to narrow the focus on something more specific because security is really something broad. And secret management came out as the outcome of this first uh, iteration on, cho- on choosing the topic. And yeah, that's, that's how we came up with, with uh, this, tech,
2: this, this edition of the Tech Radar topic. So how many vendors did you look at? There's actually a little bit of a of a distinction between the, the number of technologies that we looked at and the number of vendors that we looked at, ah. since there are quite a few uh, right. quite a few technologies coming from the same vendor. Um, I think in total we looked at about twenty technologies, mm. um, but I'm kind of spitballing from this uh, from this list. It looks like it's it looks like it's maybe about uh, ten to fifteen different vendors. I see. So the technologies
0: then Cheryl came from like a cloud service provider who might have multiple secret management capabilities in their different tool sets.
1: yeah, exactly. And one of the things that I thought was quite interesting about this is that compared to some of the other tech radars that we've seen, this was a more narrow scope, I would say mm. and there were fewer tools that had widespread adoption. So as Steve said, we probably start we probably had a list of about 20 tools. And then only, what, 10 or 12 ended up on the final radar because we cut off quite a few at the bottom that just didn't have enough adoption.
0: Okay. Now, when you looked at these, what patterns did you start seeing in the analysis that you're doing when you're looking at all these technologies? Gisera, anything you saw that was of interest to you? Uh,
4: Yeah, the first evidence that... uh we we got was the fragmentation of of this market for 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 these tools we got many many different tools from different vendors that that came into the um, into the pole very very easily uh this is something that i personally expected because when i when i had to investigate uh what tools to use for our company i immediately found that this 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 fragmentation was was uh was really spread. Then we also noticed, uh, I guess, as a second as a second pattern, that the cloud vendors are uh, very frequently used by uh, by many of our our survey uh, users. Uh, so the, these are the main themes that we have been uh, reasoning around while uh, elaborating the the rather report.
2: I do actually, and I think that, that that's a. A particularly interesting outcome that at least I I noticed is that kind of I when I went in, when we were heading into this topic, I, I thought about it a little bit and I, and I kind of came to this conclusion in my head that uh, what we would probably find, or at least a pattern that we might find is that the native cloud solutions would be very widely adopted uh, when, you know, when I'm looking at this problem on my own or, you know, with uh, the organization that I'm working for, it, it, it. It's definitely a, like one of the first off the top kind of things that we that we look into is does our current public cloud provider offer a, an, an effective or a useful service for for the solution that we're trying to uh, to get at here and um, and we definitely did see that come out from this that the that the public cloud providers where they had a service that could solve some or all of these secret management problems companies tended to adopt them more rapidly than alternatives.
1: So Steve, I would agree with that, with the exception of HashiCorp Vault.
2: Of course.
1: Right? HashiCorp Vault, yeah, HashiCorp Vault saw really widespread adoption across lots of different sized companies, different industries. Why do you think that is?
2: So it, it definitely perplexed me <laughs> in particular, perhaps this is a slightly naive look at it, but uh it is a, it's an incredibly complex piece of technology. Um, and so it was surprising to me as well. Um, in our radar, radar, we discussed why, how, and why that that may be the case, and kind of came to this uh, came to this conclusion that it is uh, among this list really the major cloud agnostic player, and that because it offers such a robust feature set when uh, when organizations are looking at multi cloud or not having uh, vendor lock in that's based on a public cloud, it it is really like the go-to comprehensive and, and already adopted solution. Uh, so the complexity is largely worth it in that case.
1: I'd love to hear a little bit more about that complexity. What sort of things make it hard to operate?
2: Uh, so I think uh, one of the uh, kind of one of the first things that that comes to mind for for me, at least, is that uh, it is really an option that at the moment you you kind of have to host on your own. Uh, you've got to run the service itself in, in your own infrastructure, stand it up, make sure that it's running, monitor it, maintain it. And that can be a pretty hefty lift for uh, potentially like a small agile team that is that is doing their best to operate, that's doing their best to operate with as many managed services or really pick and choose which services that, that they don't own and are not business logic that they're operating on their own. Um, I think that that is that's one of the major facets for me. I think another facet of Vault that makes it incredibly complex is there. It has this huge, robust feature set when it comes to uh, secret rolling and see and and refreshing. And that design pattern is is oftentimes a really heavy lift for the way that that uh, engineers. At smaller organizations, in particular, are are used to looking at secrets. It's it's secrets are kind of this thing that are that change as needed, rather than intention, intentionally frequently. Um, and I think that that's another piece of of vault's kind of like style of doing things that makes it complex, uh, as at least the way that I look at it.
0: When you consider your own tooling, has HashiCart Vault been part of your decision making? And are you using it? And how are you finding it? If so either one of you, Gisero maybe?
4: Yeah, we have been considering Ashikov Vault, but not yet uh, at the time to trying to implement it inside our infrastructure and our workflow. Uh, this is something definitely we want to come back and evaluate better. I agree with Steve that the Ramp up for getting into this technology is a bit is a little bit steep, but I'm pretty sure that this comes from uh, its ability to to be flexible and to be cloud agnostic, as Steve said. So yeah, th- th- there's a reason why there is a large adoption, and one of the interesting things about this uh, technology, raiders, is exactly that. Uh, uh, the patterns that uh, usually come out from this report are uh, good best practices for uh, end users. So that's that's why I really like to be part of this uh, of this experience because I believe that uh, what we put in our report for uh, this tech radar can be can be really helpful for uh, especially for small companies that do not have that much time or, or money to invest in research for topics like, uh, like secret management. So definitely Vault is, our, is on our wish list. Uh, we expect to need something like Vault uh, uh, as soon as we uh, decide to go across uh, different uh, cloud providers. This is not the case
0: yet, but yeah, that's in, in our future probably use a secret management tool right now or do you not really need it?
4: We do really, of course, need to handle secrets. We find technologies like uh, encrypted files in repository enough for now because we are small. We don't have that many uh, teams and visibility issues across uh, uh, secrets information. The main reason why we can, we can keep this very simple at the moment, but simple doesn't mean safe and secure, of course. So we do use encryption, we do protect our secrets, uh, but we are not using uh, um, mainline tools or tools from, uh, from, from the cloud provider at the
0: moment. Steve, are you using secrets management tools? Of course. <laughs>
2: We tend to use the offerings provided by our public clouds. Um, you know, we we are operating with uh, a, a small team, and uh, similar to, to Andreas, we don't have like a major major amount of secrets or complex uh, decision making in our software that needs to be managed. That uh, we're we're. Uh, complex secret stores are are useful, and so we're we've been able to to make do with the offerings provided by the public cloud.
1: I'd love to talk about Certificate Manager because I feel like that's a little bit different. I wonder would one of you like to just explain a little bit about Certificate Manager and how it fits in with Kubernetes?
2: Uh, so Certificate Management Certificate Cert Manager is uh, is a, a newer tool that is a um, certificate management controller that. Operates in Kubernetes, and uh, it its goal is to is to manage handling and uh, issuing and renewal of certificates from a variety of different sources. Um, and at least the way that I've seen it used is mainly for for inter service or inter application communication um, and the and the securing of that of that traffic.
0: It's like an SRE need, isn't it? <laughs> Frequently. <laughs> I guess that gets back to my question: Like, who do you find are using these secret management tools? Is it SREs? Is it operations? What are the personas?
2: Oh, that's a that's a great question. Well, I I guess as a site reliability engineer, I will say that it definitely site reliability engineers (laughs) are using them. Depending on the organization size, Uh, I would definitely be one of the members of the of of my team that would be tasked with ensuring that we are that we are using effective secret management solutions. I do think at larger organizations you might find that they actually need operations teams involved in order to potentially run a service like Vault. Andrea, I'm not really sure if we have a whole lot of it, or Cheryl, maybe if we have a, a lot of information about who responded and what uh, what their roles are.
4: I don't think we collected this information.
2: Right. So,
0: yeah. It's, it's probably a, yeah. something. As I recall, that is that that is true about the uh, Tech Radar report. It. Does lead me to kind of another question, though, about these the secrets management tools. From what I'm hearing is you know you both you both are quite accomplished technologists, and but it really depends on your company and where it is and its need for secrets management tools. And from what I'm hearing, and I think it might be reflected too in the findings, is that often, the tools provided the cloud service providers are just good enough. Is is that uh, is is that a fair is that a fair characterization, Steve?
2: Um, I think so. I mean, I think that it's. Uh, I wouldn't go uh, so far as to say they're good enough for everyone, but I think we're we're definitely in a situation where uh, we're all looking for the right tool for the job, and this the this group of. technologies are very fragmented, but one of the things that you can find from that fragmentation is that you could surmise that they're fragmented because the heaviest solutions or the lightest solutions just simply won't work for certain organizations of certain sizes. Public cloud providers' offerings tend to be simple, turnkey with very similar APIs as to their other offerings. And so for smaller organizations, it it it's kind of just a, an easy an easy uh, a shot at having the right tool for the right job. Um, but those things start to break down if you're looking at a larger organization that has uh, multi cloud requirements. Uh, you're you're now you know if it's the right tool for the right job, you've got the right tools for the right job since you've got to pluck a managed service from each of the public cloud providers you, you're offering. And so that's where I think you know Vault is getting like a huge getting huge adoption because. It is the right tool for the, for the job, for an organization of a certain size, managing secrets this way. So Cheryl,
0: maybe you could just take us through the, what the results were for the secrets management for January 2021. And we've done these before, and they essentially have three categories, the assessment, the trial, and the adoption. Maybe you could talk a bit, a bit about what that landscape looks like.
1: Yeah, of course. So in Adopt, we ended up with HashiCorp Vault, Cert Manager, and actually a couple of different AWS tools that we ended up collapsing into AWS Secrets Manager and AWS KMS. In Trial, we ended up with Bitnami Sealed Secrets and Encrypted Repositories. And then in Assess, we have GCP Secrets Management and SOPs. And again, it is notable in this particular radar that there were quite a few other tools that didn't get enough votes to end up on this final radar. And then, as I said, AWS has different services for every different aspect of secrets management. So some of those are collapsed. And actually, I had a question, Andrea, for you. You mentioned earlier that you were thinking in the future, you might have to switch to a different secrets management tool as your team gets bigger and your needs get more complex. At what point do you think that would happen? And is it how easy is it to move?
4: Well, the moment, the exact moment, uh, it's not ex- it's not fully clear to me, but I think it has to, to do with the size of the teams and the scope of different teams. Uh, what I mean is that uh, as soon as we do have some one that really needs to to be able to use secrets but uh, should not be able to change them or see them of course this this will be a kind of a disruption point for uh, for our design of the um, entire secret management as i said before this is not the in the situation yet but i believe this will be the breaking point for this and in terms of complexity for the migration yeah I, I, I believe it depends on on whatever we we choose to go with uh, in the future, but in our wish list, there is there will be definitely something uh, uh, which does not uh, give us too much luck in with 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 our providers. That's definitely a requirement because uh, as as we we will be scaling in terms of uh, team sizes, uh, we will probably also uh, leverage being uh, multi cloud. So, yeah, it's really difficult to predict the complexity of a migration, uh, but being uh, in the outlook of having this migration in mind uh, since the beginning, I guess we kept uh, our current uh, secret management workflow easy enough to, 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 to be adaptable in planning the migration to something stronger and more sophisticated. So I hope it won't be... Too disruptive
1: right because Steve you said you're using your cloud provider um, AWS specific tools so do you feel like that is locking you in or do you think
2: you would move one day uh, so I think that <laughs> I think the the question defender lock-in might be a, a larger one than uh, that goes way outside of secrets management I don't actually think that our particular uses of AWS tools for secret secrets management are uh, contributing to that, though, kind of similar to Andres' uh, situation, we definitely have. Uh, we're definitely using our tool, the managed secrets management tools, in uh, very simplistic ways. Where, kind of getting they, they're very useful for us in the in the fashion that we're using them. Uh, but we're not doing anything particularly interesting with them. So that, in the event that we need to. Uh, expand or adopt a new piece of technology, we definitely could ship all of those secrets to a new piece of technology. Um, I like to think of the secrets management tools that we're using as a little bit more like uh, uh, sophisticated data stores that can be a little bit more arbitrary that we can just kind of like pull the data out of and and move it somewhere else. With that said, um, I think that AWS certificate manager is kind of a, a, a little bit of a different uh, a little bit of a different tool in that regard since they're they're attempting to be a one-stop shop for TLS based certificates uh, when using when using their load balancing uh, services which does uh, kind of contribute a little bit to vendor lock-in since it is significantly easier to use their load balancing services with certificate manager than it would be with with any other certificates.
0: One of the things you talked about earlier was the fragmentation and the fragmentation reflects in, you know, Vault, but also the cloud vendor solutions and certificate manager. And there are also a lot of tools out there that have secrets management capabilities. What were some of the findings out there that reflect that fragmentation, such as I know that there were some configuration technologies that played in the mix? Yeah.
4: Yeah. This is something I personally believe comes from uh, probably the previous generation of DevOps tools. I mean, something that may happen to to have been used outside the cloud native world. Tools like uh, I am thinking about tools like uh, Ansible, Chef, or Puppet, which used to provide their 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 own way to to bundle encrypted data for for uh, as a solution for secret management and this is something that can be can still be used as part uh, of uh, of the workflow depending on how you are provisioning your uh, workloads on uh, kubernetes for instance or how you are provisioning your uh, uh, kubernetes clusters as well so probably some of these tools are still used because developers and engineers do have experience with, with them and since they are offering basic encryption uh, which is Secure. They are part of uh, of of the solution and the tools you you can choose from. Maybe they are not the first choice if you're if you are hundred percent cloud native, but they're still doing well
0: their job and they can be part of the workflow definitely. So maybe we can finish this out, Cheryl, with a little bit of about the tech radar and the end user community. The last report was on databases, database storage in particular. You've also looked at this, you know, the CI/CD market. And anything that strikes you in about this report, about this report. We didn't talk about the open source projects, so perhaps you could conclude on that and just tell us more about the end user community.
1: Sure, happy to. So one of the notable projects that you might have expected to see on this radar that wasn't there was Spire. And Spire is a CNCF project focused on identity provisioning. It is still relatively new, but it seems to have gotten a lot of traction at past KubeCon, Con events. Um, it recently moved from sandbox to incubating. So that is definitely one that I would keep an eye out for. And just to finish as well.
0: Identity provisioning?
1: Right. What is so it's that? A little So it is a little bit different from secrets management. Um, I might defer to, I think, Steve to talk more about this one. Oh, no, I think I was, Andre, you tried Spy a little bit before. Am I right?
4: Yep. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm again this is this is uh, kind of something that uh, by following talks uh, at the latest kubecon we we put on the list again this this is more like a framework than than a real tool for secret management. That's probably the reason uh, why we, we we haven't found that much adoption or uh, even trial. Uh, report uh, reports in our uh, in our survey for the for the radar but again this is this is moving uh and being promo- promoted inside the CNCF uh, uh incubation logic so yeah i agree we we need to keep an eye on this uh of course identity provisioning uh, is just part of uh, secret management or uh, something slightly aside but this is for sure solving problems uh, that uh, are in the same in the same field. So uh, I, I won't be very surprised if a framework like this uh, could become more specifically covering uh, this secret management uh, side of things in the future.
0: This is an interesting topic, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it is important to note, as Andrea said, that this is a survey with a specific CNTF end-user community. So, you know, it might not reflect trends across all different companies, but I think it's still valuable information. And I'm very grateful that Steve and Andrea put the time into it to kind of listen to what the end-user community is using, listen to what they're really thinking um, and to produce this tech radar report from that. And I do encourage you as well, if you're listening and you're interested in hearing from other companies other companies using Cloud Native, then to come and be part of the CNTF end user community.
0: I would just like to conclude, I think on that note and looking toward the future, this topic of identity provisioning, I think is interesting and it doesn't relate directly to secrets management, but I can see how it correlates and I just was doing a little research on it. And for those out there in the, in, who are listening, identity provisioning, according to a post by, by Asini Wittorana, she's with WSO2, she writes that identity provisioning is the process of creating, managing, and deleting digital identities in a computer system, which gets into some interesting topics because... When you're talking about digital identity, you know wh- what does that mean exactly? And it can mean a person, it can mean an organization, it can be an application, it can be a device, and that's one of the inherent complexities we find with Kubernetes. And that's you know very evident uh, when you start thinking about how do you pass this, how do you pass these secrets around? Whose whose secrets are are, are you uh, are you passing? You know that it's a fascinating kind of topic to explore sometime. Any last thoughts from either you, Steve, or, or Gisero on on uh, on just uh, your your experience in this in this project? Just want to to thank the CNCF for this opportunity because
4: yeah, I think the the process of getting uh, this radar report done uh, is really enjoyable because you start from meeting other uh, end users and you uh, very quickly uh, see that almost. Every other company is basically maybe at a different point of a journey, but all these journeys are similar. Once you you have chosen a topic like a secret management for this radar, uh, you will hear from others that they, they went through the same process uh, decision, decision in process in how to approach uh, the ecosystem of different tools. And th- this is really uh, something that uh, will be useful for the future. We, you, you can learn by participating to an initiative like the Tech Radar. You learn how to move um, in fragmented uh, markets, let's say, or landscapes, uh, like we really need to to become uh, used to uh, in, in the world of Kubernetes and cloud native in general. Otherwise, you will get scared of too much. Uh, available choices and yeah you won't you won't improve anymore. So I definitely suggest whoever in the end user community will have in the future the opportunity to participate in the Radder to do it because that's really enjoyable. And thanks Sher for uh, for guiding us through this journey.
2: Uh, yeah, that's absolutely. I'll, I'll echo all of that. I think it's a it's a great experience, uh, in particular for uh, for an end user uh, member that that might have an interest in, in in a few different areas or be evaluating a few different areas of of tooling to be able to have the opportunity to go through this process with uh, a, lo- a handful of really intelligent people from other end, <laughs> end user user uh, companies that. Are, uh, that that might be doing this as well. So it was a really fantastic experience. And absolutely the same, uh, same goes, I'm very appreciative of the CNCF for, for doing this and for allowing me to participate and, uh, and also to the new stack for having us. Well, it was
1: an absolute pleasure to b- work with both of you and to, to others on the team who couldn't join us on the podcast today, but I'm very glad that you enjoyed the experience and you learned something from it and got something from it as well.
0: Well, I've learned a lot and I want to thank you all for uh, joining us today. To uh, discuss uh, the latest results from the Tech Radar. Cheryl, thank you so much for uh, co hosting once again. It's always wonderful to work with you. Steve Nolan, thanks for your participation. And Gisero, calling from Italy in the mountains there. Thank you so much. Thank you all. We look forward to talking soon. It was a thank pleasure. You thank, thank you. you.
3: KubeCon. Cloud Con conferences gather adopters and technologists to further the education and advancement of cloud native computing. The vendor-neutral events feature domain experts and key maintainers behind popular projects like Kubernetes, Prometheus, Envoy, CoreDNS, Containerd, and more.
0: Listen to more episodes of the Newstack Analysts at the newstack.io forward slash podcasts. Please rate and review us on iTunes, like us on YouTube, and follow us on SoundCloud. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.